So Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24, and this is the word of God. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt, but gather the wheat into my barn. Moving to verse 36. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears... Let him hear. Amen. And we thank God today for his word. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And it's not what we gather to do every single Sunday, and certainly at harvest, we rejoice today with absolute delight for how the Lord has blessed us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Although I suspect if you bumped into a friend today who was going through a really difficult time and you threw that at that individual, perhaps they may not receive it in the spirit that it was intended. Maybe if you go into a home today that is going through a period of mourning and you come with that, perhaps they won't appreciate your visit quite as much. Certainly in Philippians 4 and verse 4, this is a true word. As men and women of faith, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, says Paul, I say rejoice. But I always think that that's a verse that is easier read and easier said than done. How do we rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. How do we do this? when faced with all the troubles that have come our way in this past week? How do we rejoice in the Lord always when we are really weary in our Christian walk? How do we rejoice in the Lord always, even in harvest, with the beauty of God's provision all around us, when we are sitting here utterly depressed at how life seems to be running out of control? And even in this past week, 
We have a Thomas Cook, and that's not a member of this church, although there are people with more holidays in this church than Thomas Cook. Thomas Cook has gone bankrupt. How do we rejoice if we've lost our holiday or lost our job? It's not just Thomas Cook, but locally we have seen right bus disappearing down the tubes as well. How do we rejoice in the Lord always, even when our job is disappearing and never coming back? And it's not just little people like us who experience this. How can Donald Trump this morning rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say, President Trump, rejoice when perhaps he is facing impeachment. He could lose his job over the Ukraine scandal. And closer to home, Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister. How can Boris this day rejoice in the Lord always when the Supreme Court are knocking on his door and telling him what he can and cannot do? Or there's little Greta Thunberg, 16 years old and traveling the world to, to fight for action on climate change. And this week, with tears in her eyes, she spoke to the United Nations and told them that they had robbed her of her childhood. How do you rejoice in the Lord always when you're Greta Thunberg or you're watching any of these people? Folks, at times in life, it's maybe like your old granny used to say, we're all doomed. We're all doomed. That'll finish us maybe this morning, but happy harvest. Maybe next year I will get a guest speaker in, because where's the rejoicing this morning, Scott? How can you, you speak about Philippians 4 and verse 4, and this harvest someday, and then start in a place like that? Oh, life is hard, isn't it? Life's depressing. Life is not easy. And certainly most days of the week, it is a struggle to smile, never mind a struggle to rejoice. And yet, my brothers and sisters, today is our harvest thanksgiving. Today is not the church service that we often engage in where we come to gurn giving. It's not that Sunday. It's a thanksgiving Sunday. A day that we gather to praise God and to say, Father, thank you for the abundant provision in this church and in our lives. We praise you and we thank you for everything that you have done. Today we come to rejoice my friends, there are a multitude of reasons to rejoice. All around us, in your own lives, there's always a reason somewhere for us to rejoice, even in the bottom of the pit. If you can still take a breath, then rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And there are even reasons to rejoice in this parable that we've read this morning in Matthew 13. It's been a long time since I've preached at Harvest, uh, and you won't remember what I preached on the last time, but if you do want to go home and check it up, it certainly wasn't this. But this is a famous old passage for Harvest Sunday. It's the parable of the weeds, or the, the wheat and the tares, as it's called. We've sung about it, we've read it, I will now preach it. And as you read through it, it seems like it's not a parable that is filled with rejoicing. Because after all, the Lord Jesus tells his disciples a story, and, and all listening, he tells them about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, it's a bit like when a man sows good seed in his field, in verse 24. And yet his helpers, they go to sleep, and when they sleep, the enemy comes and sows weeds among the wheat, and then goes away. So far, so discouraging, you might say, not much to rejoice in there. So the good plants come up and they bore grain, but the weeds appear also, verse 26. And this perplexes the servants of this master. And they go to him and say, in verse 27, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then 
doesn't have weeds. He said to them, an enemy has done this and once more. So far, so discouraging. Here is this man planting good seed, sowing good seed. This field produces a crop, but in, mixed in is these weeds planted by the enemy. It's, it's a, a tale as old as time. You try your best and somebody seems to slip in unannounced to try and cut the legs from out underneath you. And so the solution comes. The servants of this man say in verse 28, do you want us to go out and gather them, to gather in uh, the weeds? No, he says, lest in gathering in the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, if you read that in isolation, you might firstly wonder what it is the Lord is trying to say. It, it doesn't seem to jump out of the page. It doesn't naturally speak to us and, and apply itself to our lives. You might be scratching your head. And even if you do figure it out, you might think to yourself, well, well, how does that feed in with Philippians 4 and verse 4 when I as a believer am to rejoice every day? It doesn't seem terribly encouraging. But then by God's grace, just a few verses later, he explains what is going on. Verse 36 tells us that the crowds go away, and Jesus goes into the house, the disciples come to him, and they say, scratching their heads like you and I, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And thanks be to God, because his word speaks and it explains itself. Jesus answers the disciples, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Friends, that is a, a way that Jesus speaks of himself. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God who becomes the Son of Man, God and man together, one flesh. Jesus, the Son of Man, is the one who sows the seed. And he makes it clear that the field that the seed has been sowed in is the world, verse 38. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The good seed is the men and women who have come to believe the gospel, who have trusted Christ. And the weeds will they are the sons of the evil one. And of course, in this picture, the enemy who sows the weeds among the wheat, well, that is the devil, Jesus says in verse 39. The harvest that is to come is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. The explanation is given. And still, however, you may be thinking, Scott, I'm already counting the minutes to next year's harvest when you maybe get John Brogan back to be the guest speaker. You phone Hamilton Road and you say, can I borrow your new minister, John Brogan, for our Harvest Sunday service? But bear with me. Because as we read this parable and as we see the explanation that the Lord Jesus gives, I believe we see an incredibly encouraging picture about how human history is unfolding, including this very day with, with all the grumpy faces on TV, the 16-year-old Greta and Donald in trouble and Boris getting it tight and with businesses going out of business and your life a mess. Jesus gives us this parable and he explains it to show us that we can be incredibly encouraged in this day and age. And truly today, in the midst of turmoil, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we can say, rejoice. See, as this parable unfolds, we see the Lord's patience. We see human history unfolding. We see the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, sowing good seed abroad throughout the field that is this world. We see Jesus sowing this good field, and we see the Lord's work always undermined by the work of the devil, 
who sows his own seed and whose own people grow up alongside the children of God. And yet, in this parable, the Lord does not set fire to the field. In this parable, the Lord does not wipe it all out to start again. In this parable, he does not go out and, and tear up bits and pieces in an angry rage. This parable shows us the long-suffering and patience of our God. The Apostle Peter says this in his second letter in chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow, says Peter, to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient towards you, he says, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This parable shows the Lord's patience. And the Lord's patience is a reason to rejoice every single day. I often hear people speaking, and, and they say in such terms, if there really is a God, then he should show himself. He should do something. He should click his fingers and, and end the illnesses that we have. He should step into human history and, and do something to prove that he is there. And you hear bold and boastful people making these claims and pointing the finger heavenwards and, and urging the Lord to act. And yet they do not realize that the Lord has acted and he will act again. And the next time he moves in grand, magnificent, unchallenged power, it will be in his return. And if we are on the wrong side of the fence when that day comes, we will be longing for days of God's patience once more. Friends, we often don't think about the Lord's patience, but every single day to us is great. Every single day is, is a day to stand and proclaim the goodness of God. That big list I have read out for you, thanks be to God for his patience towards us. Because it is another day in Canada and another day in Nigeria, and another day in the mainland Britain, and another day in Drogheda, and Dublin, and Cork, and another day throughout this world where the Lord has not yet returned. So his patience and long-suffering towards us gives us another day and another God-divine opportunity to speak of Christ. The field is not destroyed. The weeds... And the wheat, they grow together, and the Lord is patient. Even when the enemy sneaks into the field and snubs his nose at the work of God, the Lord is patient. And his patience is a reason to rejoice. But also as we look in this parable, we see that the Lord preserves his church. I'm not trying to show off today. It just came naturally this week as I was preparing this sermon. There are a lot of peas. There are like three peas there down the street. There are three peas down there. There are four peas. See if you can spot them, boys and girls. The first is the Lord is patient. The second, the Lord preserves his church. And the fact that he preserves his church is another reason to rejoice. Again, we read this parable, and as we get into it and think about it, the weeds grew up with the wheat. But we don't read here about how they choke out the harvest. We don't see in this parable that the weeds get the upper hand. We, we don't hear of Satan coming in and ripping the wheat out of the Lord's hand and throwing it in the fire. We don't hear any of that. We hear about the wheat and the weeds growing together to the final day, and then the harvest comes, and then the wheat will be safely gathered in. Friends, this in itself is another reason today to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. 
because at times in this day and age it is increasingly difficult to be a Christian in the West. And before we get all upset for ourselves, well, do you know what? For a long time it has been easy to be a Christian in the West. But for the Church of Jesus Christ, for most of the history of the Church throughout this world, it has always been difficult to be a Christian. And finally, I think that we are catching up on the rest of our brothers and sisters. And yet the truth of God's Word is that we will never, ever be overcome. Today, even with all those headlines that I have read to you, today with the war, threat of wars and rumors of wars, today with concerns about the future and what will happen to my children and my children's children, the Lord will preserve his people. The bride of Christ, the church of Christ, is not going to be uprooted. It is this same picture that we see in Revelation chapter 12. In the opening verses of Revelation 12, we read this, A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth, and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that it might devour her child. The moment he was born, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Friends, a lot of words in those verses, and you might think, what on earth is that about? But it is a picture of the birth of Christ and how he is preserved at the attack of Satan and a picture of the church of Christ and how she is preserved even though Satan seeks to devour her. My brothers and sisters, today in this world, there is nothing to fear for the Christian. Today we do not fear those who can harm the body. Instead, we fear God who can take our soul brothers and sisters, just as the Lord is patient towards us, and that is a reason to rejoice, so too he preserves us. How often is it that we spend our days with worry? How often do we sit at home and, and twiddle our thumbs and cross our fingers and hope for the best? And yet as Christians, we've already received the best. We've received God's good gifts, his provision every single day, but more than that, we have received his son. Friends, the reality of God's word is this. If God is for us, who can be against us? And this week, with all the angry faces on TV and all the politicians stressing and worrying and wringing their hands, I suspect every single one of them needs Christ. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. I know Donald Trump, when he was elected, told uh, the press that he was a Presbyterian. The minister of the church he went to says, yeah, I haven't seen him in 13 years. And I thought to myself, yep, he sounds like a good Presbyterian. But what do they need? They need Jesus. Friends, keep Christ in sight this week when the news is bad. And when the headlines break your heart and when your children make you cry, keep Christ in sight 
and know that you will never slip through the fingers of your Savior. The Lord is patient towards us. The Lord preserves us. And the Lord's presentation of the gospel is, is a reason to rejoice. The Lord Jesus tells us in verse 37 here that the, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The one who spreads this good news is Christ himself. The one who proclaims this gospel is Jesus. And folks, this morning you have come to worship Christ in a church that, that isn't here by accident. If you walk past the doors and look up, you'll see a wee diamond of when this particular building was built, 1840-something. And you think, well, was that an accident? Of course not. A battle hinch is filled with other churches where the gospel will be preached. Is that an accident? Of course not. And men and women and children, even now, this hour, are coming to believe in Jesus at the preaching of the gospel. Is that an accident? Of course not. You see, we, with our Western eyes, in the Western part of the world, we, we look at the church and the church is shrinking. And we think, well, obviously then, if we're shrinking, everybody else must be shrinking. And yet the church is growing. Exponentially, the church is growing throughout the world. Men, women, and children throughout the world are coming to know Christ as their Savior. Maybe it is in the West that we have dropped the ball and we have lost focus of Christ. But the church is growing. And it should be a reason for us to rejoice. I didn't read that list of names this morning just to kill a bit of time. I read it to get you to think about Norway and Canada and Africa and Asia and the Middle East. Where the gospel is being proclaimed. And where the Spirit brings individuals from death to life. And, and he enables them to receive Christ and to believe the gospel. The Lord's presentation of the gospel is bearing fruit. This morning it is a reason to rejoice. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And is in the reality of our lives that, that often when we are filled with complaints and, and frustrations and anger, we rarely think of the gospel. You come home and yes, you've had a hard day at work and your loved one says, well, what was your day like? And you say, right, make me a cup of tea and I'm going to tell you everything about it. My boss is a, a carpet and my, my colleague, I don't like her and, and she's always boasting about her children and, and I'm going nowhere and there's rumors of bankruptcy and, and redundancy. Life is awful. How many of us at that point stop and think of the gospel? Of the good news that once upon a time we received on our granny's knee at a mission in a field outside Balnehinch in the CWU hall. We received it. We heard it. The Spirit of God opened our eyes. We rejoiced in it. We received Christ. We were saved. Friends, rejoice in the Lord always. Hi, Scott, hi. By remembering where you have been redeemed from. Rejoice in the Lord always. Easy for a preacher to say, how can we do it? By remembering what Christ has done for us. 
friends, the biggest thing about this Harvest Sunday, and in a way, do you know what? It's, it's, it's a bit of a fraud. We should rejoice like this every single week, not just at the end of September, every single year. But the biggest thing about this day is not the grapes, as lovely as they look, or the flowers, as lovely as they are, or, or even you. It's great to see, and you're all dolled up. Maybe it's a new top out of Isabella Pages up there. You look fantastic. It's a shame you're called Robert or whatever you are, but you look good. That's not the biggest thing today. Today our reason to rejoice is Christ. And it is the good news that says he laid down his life for guilty sinners like us. Rejoice in the Lord always high by remembering Calvary. That's high. That's high. And giving ourselves to the work presenting this good news, this gospel message in Balnehinch and abroad. That's high. That's high. And finally, folks, just as we wrap up today, and you will forgive me, I'm going to ask John to go to the door to shake hands for two reasons. He's got lovely, soft Irish hands. You'll enjoy shaking those. Uh, but also, if you're from another church that doesn't have a minister, there's one there for you. Okay? I have a funeral to do and I need to nip home to powder my nose. But as we get to there, the final point is this. When you read this passage and you think, where's the good news in this passage? It's a news about judgment and it's news about evildoers being cast into the fire and into the pits of hell. Where's the good news in that? Friends, the good news and the reason to rejoice comes in the Lord's promise of a day that is coming. I suspect probably most of us will never think on an average day about the day, about judgment day. I suspect we rarely will give any thought to the fact that history is moving to a conclusion. All we think about in this part of the world at the minute is the end of October and whether or not Brexit will happen. Whether it happens or not, I'm going to Portrush for a week. I don't care. That's the big day, isn't it? That's what's getting Boris all worked up, and that's what's causing everybody else to be cross. And imagine being an MP this week. The Prime Minister gives you a few extra weeks off, and you go running to the courts to complain about it. Catch yourself on. Imagine you were lying on the beach, and the phone goes, you better come back to work. The courts are opening the Parliament again. Wouldn't you be cross? You're in Ibiza, and the Conservatives phone you to say, come on back with, with the do a bit of work what's going on and we're thinking about dates and times and all the rest of it this passage encourages us it gives us a reason to rejoice because the Lord makes it clear a day is coming and it will be a day of harvest the son of man verse 41 will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers what a day what a day for those of you who have ever struggled with sin in your life, for those of you who have ever looked in the mirror and think, when am I going to ever be able to follow Christ the way he deserves? When am I ever going to be made more like my Savior Jesus? I'm, I'm full of the old attitudes and the old sin and the old troubles. When is this going to change? In this parable, Jesus says, it will change on that day, the day when I return, and the day that my angels will gather out of this world all of my people, and all the causes of sin and all lawbreakers and all of that nonsense will go by the wayside. That day is coming. And what a glorious day it will be. What a wonderful day it will be. 
Do you know how I will celebrate Brexit if it ever happens? The day after, do you know what I'll do? I'll get out of my bed, I'll have my breakfast, and I'll take the kids to school. The same as I would do the day before. It probably won't change very much, but brothers and sisters, this day here, this day changes everything. It changes everything for the church of Jesus Christ who will be purified once and for all. We will be made like Christ. We will be with him forever. And the promise of this day causes us as well as rejoicing to prepare ourselves. Because on this day we are told that the weeds sown about by the evil one, the enemy Satan, the weeds on that day will be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The righteous, well, they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears says, Jesus, let him hear. So we think, oh, wonderful, I am a believer. I am counted as righteous. I am going to shine like the sun. And yet there will be some in our number who will think, I'm not. Yet, my friends, today is another reason to rejoice. Because as you gather in to celebrate this harvest time, and as you hear this passage read, and as you hear me imperfectly preaching it, that you have a reason to rejoice just now. Because of whatever it is, and my eyeglasses are filling me seven minutes past twelve on this harvest Sunday in 2019, hear the good news that Christ Jesus gave himself not a, a prize vegetable or, or lovely fruit or flowers, but he gave himself as a ransom for many. Hear the good news, my friends. If you receive him today, then you have nothing to fear from the fiery furnace. If you receive him today, you will be saved. Rejoice in the Lord always. Scott, how do I do that? As an unrepentant sinner, how do I do that when I know this day of judgment is coming? Friends, you do it today by receiving Christ. The one who scatters good seed abroad in this world and the one who is coming one day to take his harvest home. You receive him this day. And I can assure you, you will be part of that blessed harvest. Rejoice in the Lord, brothers and sisters. And those of you yet undecided, rejoice in the Lord. Repent of your sin and put your trust in Christ and be saved. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. And we thank God today for his word.